Hey everybody, welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. It's Matt here, and at the end of this episode, I'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Journey app where you can access all of our recent message content. And actually, the app's the easiest way to share all this content with a friend and to keep up with everything going on around here at Journey. Just search Journey Calway in your app store. Now, most importantly, I hope this message inspires you to take your next step in following Jesus. We're wrapping up this series today, Aftermath, and I want to spend this last week talking about the unknown, unspoken topic, issue, struggle, problem that's been underlying this whole series. I haven't brought it up once, but you have wondered about it. You have been asking the question about it, and it creates tension for a lot of us. And it is the problem of pain and suffering. Specifically, why would God allow pain and suffering to exist in the world to begin with? So we're going to answer that question, but before we do, I want to read you a quote from C.S. Lewis. Now, if you're not familiar with C.S. Lewis, he was a brilliant author, uh, professor, uh, theologian eventually. He started out as an atheist, eventually became a follower of Jesus, was a professor at Oxford and Cambridge. He was British. C.S. Lewis wrote something in a book called The Problem of Pain that is so true for you and me. He said this, God whispers to us in our pleasures He speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Maybe that is your story. Maybe you'd walked away from God, drifted away from God, or you just weren't taking him seriously. You're just kind of going through the motions. And then pain hit. Your life got turned upside down. Trouble came. And it became a megaphone that God used to get your attention. And you turned around. You looked up. You turned around, you walked back to your heavenly father. But for others of you, your story may be the exact opposite. For others of you, pain hit, suffering hit, something indescribable, something unexplainable, something you couldn't possibly understand why a good God would allow it to happen. And pain actually did the opposite of what C.S. Lewis said. Pain caused you to walk away from God. Pain caused you to give up on God. Pain caused you just to distance yourself. I mean, you're still watching. You still go through the motions, but you just you distance yourself. You just don't take it seriously anymore. There's a wall between you and God. For some of you, pain is what caused you to write off the possibility that there even is a God who loves you. As I've heard people say before, if God's got the whole world in his hands, well, I'm looking around and it doesn't seem like he's doing a very good job with it. Because why does he allow all the pain and the suffering? That is the question I want to answer today. So hold that thought. First, have you ever heard of Admiral Jim Stockdale? Jim Stockdale was the highest-ranking United States military officer imprisoned at what was called the Hanoi Hilton Prisoner of War Camp during the Vietnam War. Jim Stockdale was a POW for eight years. He was tortured over 20 times because he wouldn't cooperate with the North Vietnamese propaganda machine. Years later, he gets out. He survives. He gets out. And a couple of decades ago, a man by the name of Jim, Jim Collins wrote a book called Good to Great. Some of you may be familiar with that book. It is a phenomenal leadership and business book. And as he was writing that book, he interviewed Admiral Stockdale. And he asked him the question that any of us would ask him if we were sitting across from him. He said, Admiral Stockdale. How did you survive? Eight years, 20 experiences of torture. How did you survive? And Admiral Stockdale said this, I never lost faith in the end of the story. That's just incredible, isn't it? 
I never lost faith in the end of the story. And then he elaborated on that. He said, I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience. Think about this. He said, I never doubted I would turn the experience into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. And then Jim Collins looked at him and said, well, well, what was the difference between you and between those of you who survived and those of you who didn't? Like, Who were the people who didn't make it out of the POW camp? And Admiral Stockdale said, oh, that's easy. The optimists, the optimists. Now, as you're about to see, he's referring to the naive optimist, not people with a positive attitude. He went on, he said this, they were the ones, the optimists were the ones who said, well, we're going to be out by Christmas. And then Christmas would go. They were still there. Then they'd say, well, we're going to be out by Easter. And Easter would come and Easter would go. And then Thanksgiving. And then it would be Christmas again. And then he said this about the optimist. They died of a broken heart. And so then Jim Collins looked at him and said, well, Admiral Stockdale, out of your experiences, you've had years to reflect on it now. What's the big lesson you have taken away from your time in that POW camp? And here's what Admiral Stockdale told him. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, never lose that faith, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. In other words, Admiral Stockdale said, the lesson for me is you can never deceive yourself about your current reality, but you can also never lose faith, confidence, and hope that you will prevail in the end. Now, over the years since I've read that, I have summarized Admiral Stockdale's lesson, which is called the Stockdale Paradox, by the way. I've summarized it into these two short statements. That you must confront the brutal facts and keep believing. Confront the brutal facts and keep believing. This is the Stockdale paradox. Now, if you don't know what a paradox is, a paradox is when you just have two statements that seem to be at odds with one another, but they're both true. And Admiral Stockdale realized and learned in the middle of his POW experience, both of these statements, while they seem at odds with each other, are true. You need to confront the brutal facts, and you need to keep believing. Now, the reason I bring that up is because Christianity comes with its own paradox. Actually, Christianity comes with this paradox. In Christianity, you have two things. You have brutal facts, and you also have a future hope. You have brutal facts, you have a future hope. Now, those of us who are Christians, there are many Christians who don't want to confront and own the brutal facts. They try to pray it away. They try to faith it away. They try to obey it away. I'm telling you, if you ignore, if you try to pray, faith, or obey away the brutal facts of Christianity, you will end up misusing faith, you will end up abusing faith, or in some cases, you will end up abandoning faith altogether. You have to hold both of them at the same time. With Christianity, there are brutal facts, and there's a future hope. And I want to spend the next few minutes talking about both of these things. Here is the brutal fact of Christianity, that there is a cause and effect relationship between sin and suffering. Now, listen, you know this to some extent to be true personally. And what I mean by that is you have made choices and done things that later led to consequences. So you're okay, whether you use the term sin or not, but I sinned, I was unwise, I did the wrong thing there. And there are consequences that came with that. There was suffering that came because of that choice. You're saying, Matt, well, all suffering is caused, you know, that I experienced is caused because of something I did. No, that's not what I'm saying. And that's not the brutal fact of Christianity. You've experienced this personally just like I have. 
But the brutal fact of Christianity is not referring to something that happens individually. It's referring to something that happens globally. So I'm going to change a little wording in this and say it this way. There is a global relationship between sin and suffering. This is the brutal fact of Christianity. Let me explain it as simply as I know how. The brutal fact of Christianity is that Adam and Eve sinned, and when they did, sin entered the world. They opened through the door open. They were living in a perfect world. They chose not to trust God. They chose to rebel against him, and they opened the door and ushered in sin. That is the brutal fact of Christianity, but it's not just that. You see, when sin entered the world, sin didn't come by itself. Sin came with a packed SUV. Sin came with a posse. Sin brought right along with it, right on its heels, sorrow, suffering, disease, illness, and death. Sin broke the entire world. Sin broke you. Sin broke me. Sin broke the whole human race. Sin broke creation. Sin broke nature. Sin broke everything. This world is not the way God intended for it to be. This world is not how God created it to be. You and I are not how God created us to be because sin has infected us. It spread like a virus throughout the entire world. Nothing has avoided the touch and the impact of sin. And so the brutal fact of Christianity is there is a global relationship between sin and suffering because sin came into the world. Everything in this world is broken. Nothing works the way God intended for it to work all the time. Now, you and I tend to resist this idea, and the reason we resist it is we go, well, that's not fair, and we don't think it's fair because we're not in control, but we've all contributed to this. We've all contributed to introducing sin into the world. We've all contributed to the sin that is mounted up and the brokenness that happens in our world. So you may not think it's fair, and I may not think it's fair, but it's reality. It is the brutal fact, and Jesus believed this. Jesus held to this, and Jesus taught this was true. John tells us, John was one of Jesus' closest friends. And he wrote an account of Jesus' life. And John tells us that this happened one day, that this showed up one day. And Jesus taught them, the disciples, his followers, something about this brutal fact that they never understood and they never had known was true. Here's how John describes it in John 9. He says, as he, that is Jesus, went along, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. And Jesus' disciples then ask Jesus, look at this question. Well, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, the reason they ask this question, and that seems like such a crude, rude, offensive question, right? But the reason they ask it is because they assume something. They assume that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to sinners. Now, come on, before we criticize them for being so harsh, we actually believe this assumption as well, don't we? You have assumed at times that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to sinners. That's why you got angry with God when something bad happened to you. Because you assumed, come on, be honest, you assumed, just like I have, that you are a good person. And so because of that, good things should happen to you. I'm following a God who makes sure good things happen to good people. Aren't I following a God that makes sure bad things happen to sinners? Am I not following a God who protects the good people and punishes the bad people? But Jesus did not believe this assumption. As a matter of fact, he poked a hole right in it when his disciples asked this question. Here was his reply. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. In other words, this man is not blind as a consequence of his personal sin. 
You guys are looking at him thinking, well, he had to have done something or his parents must have done something to have brought this on himself. Jesus says, nope. His blindness is not a consequence of personal sin. His blindness is a consequence of global sin. Don't miss this. This is so important. In other words, this man is blind because he was born into a broken world. And his blindness is a consequence of living in a broken world. But then Jesus did something extraordinary. Because Jesus wanted them to understand. And Jesus wanted us to understand who he was. And that there was hope. And so he reaches down and he heals the man and he restores his sight. Why would Jesus do that? For the same reason he did any of the miracles he did. Not just to validate who he was, but to validate what he could do. Jesus wanted us to understand that someone had showed up on the scene who was the solution to the consequences of global sin, someone who had power over the consequences of global sin, someone who could undo what had been done, who could restore what had been broken in our world by sin. Apostle Paul, several years later, Paul's writing about this. And as Paul often did, he wrote about it in a way that sometimes sounds a little confusing to us. But I want to show you just a little portion of what he wrote. Here's what Paul had to say. He said, Go on the next slide, sorry. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man. For if by the trespass of the one man, he's talking about Adam and Eve, death reigned through that one man. It's so interesting because Paul talks about sin like it's a virus, like it's an entity. We talk about sin like it's a verb. It's just something I did. Paul goes, no, no, no. Sin is a virus. It is an entity. Sin is something that has spread and infected everyone and everything. And along with sin, what came around the hills of sin? Sorrow, suffering, illness, disease, and ultimately, death. Now, you already know this. You know wherever sin goes, death follows. Death in relationships, death in finances, death in marriages, ultimately, death in life. Wherever sin goes, death follows. Paul says, you know what? Adam and Eve, they ushered sin into this world, and now death reigns in this world. It has broken and impacted everything. Now, here's why this is so important to understand, and then we'll keep reading. Because if you don't understand this, when bad things happen to you, you will become disillusioned, disappointed, and disheartened with God, and you will walk away. You will lose faith, trust, confidence in your heavenly Father. But listen to me. If you have walked away because bad things happen to you, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Bad things aren't supposed to happen to good people. I follow a God who makes sure bad things happen to sinners. Well, I've got great news for you. You can walk back. You can come back. You can re-engage with your heavenly father because he never said he was a God who made sure good things happen to good people and bad things happen to sinners. It's not what he does. You can come on back. As a matter of fact, as Christians, you know what we believe? Christians believe that the worst possible thing happened to the best possible person. That the worst possible thing happened to Jesus. So we don't have a faith that good things happen to good people. No, we have a faith that actually says bad things are going to happen to good people. They happen all the time. So what does that mean for you and me? Does that mean we shouldn't resist evil because, well, it's going to happen anyway? No, no, no. Resist evil every chance you get. Does it mean you shouldn't try to alleviate pain and suffering? No, alleviate all the pain and the suffering that you can. Should we not care when we see injustice? Nope, fight for injustice every chance you get. 
But are we going to be able to eradicate all the pain and suffering and injustice in the world? Absolutely not. But don't be disheartened by that. Because we are not to the end of the story yet. So let me read you the rest of what Paul said. He said, for by the trespass of the one man, Adam and Eve, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant grace or provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness? I told you earlier, righteousness just means a right standing with God. He says, how much more will those of us who through grace have been given this extraordinary gift of you're now in a right standing with God, you've been forgiven by Jesus. How much more will we reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This was Paul's complicated way of saying, death doesn't get the final word. Sin, even global sin and its consequences do not get the final word. That Jesus Christ showed up to reverse the curse of global sin. Jesus Christ showed up to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. So for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we've experienced life, not just death. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, yeah, we, we still sin at times, but there's forgiveness available. So that leads me all the way back to the question I asked at the beginning, and that is this, why? Why would God, you know, if you believe God could change everything, could fix everything, could do whatever, if you believe God's got the whole world in his hands, well, why isn't he taking better care of that world? If you believe God's got the whole world in his hands, why isn't he alleviating all the pain and suffering? Why isn't he alleviating your suffering? Why isn't he fixing your pain? I'll tell you why. Because the only way to alleviate evil, pain, and suffering in this world is to alleviate you and me. Because come on, we contribute to that pain and suffering, don't we? To be more specific, the only way to alleviate pain and suffering and evil in this world is to alleviate and remove the free will that all of us have. But the minute we don't have free will, we also don't have a free choice to embrace this gift of forgiveness that Jesus offers us. We don't have a free choice anymore to choose a right standing with God, to choose a relationship with our Heavenly Father, to become a son or a daughter of His. So you know why God doesn't alleviate all the pain and suffering in the world? You know why he doesn't alleviate all of yours and all of mine? Because he loves us too much. And he's being patient, not wanting anyone to miss the opportunity to have a relationship with him. He's being patient, allowing everyone every possible chance to embrace the grace that he offers. But in the meantime, here's what you and I can hold on to. We have present help and a future hope. This is so good. We have to confront the brutal facts. But we also can keep believing in a present help and a future hope. In a present help that looks like this. In the beginning, sin broke the world. But God has not left us alone. He is with us. Don't miss that. In the midst of our pain and suffering, in the midst of all of the brokenness, I think about this a brokenness and an evil in this world that we ushered in. Sorrow, suffering, death, illness, disease. Our sin ushered it all in. In the middle of that brokenness, God said, I'm not leaving you to fend for yourself. I'm showing up and walking with you through it. I'm gonna provide mercy and grace and strength and power in my presence 
to help you. I'll be with you every step of the way. I am here and I care and I'm for you. We have a present help and we also have a future hope because guess what? Jesus promised that one day he's going to restore all things. One day he's going to eradicate all the evil, all the pain, all the suffering, all the illness, all the disease, all the sorrow, and all the death. One day, he will restore this world to what he created and intended for it to be all along. And sin's impact will no longer be felt. Sin's brokenness will no longer be seen. There won't even be scars from the pain. One day, it'll all be made new again. It'll all be made right again. So in the beginning, sin broke everything. In the end, God's going to restore it all. In the meantime, he promises he'll be with us. So I think Admiral Jim Stockdale was right. You should never lose faith in the end of the story. We're not there yet. You know where we are right now? We're in the messy middle. That's where we are. But remember, Jesus did not lean away from the messy middle. Jesus didn't walk away. Jesus didn't say, you got to clean that mess up yourself. Jesus left the perfect, sinless, no pain, sorrow, suffering, or death environment of heaven. And he stepped right into our broken world. He leaned right into the mess. He walked in the mess with us. And he was not an exception to the rule. He felt all of the consequences of the global sin and brokenness in this world. He experienced death. But then he rose again, so we would have confidence forever that what he said was true, including the fact that one day he's going to restore it all. And in the meantime, he's with us. So when you find yourself doubting, is God here? Does he care? Why would he let this happen? Would you just remember that God showed up and he walked in the mess so you would never wonder if he cared? But you'd never doubt if he was with you. So you never question whether he was for you. He showed up and he proved it. So in the aftermath of COVID-19, when we're on the other side of the Rona, and I don't know when that's going to be and neither do you, but in the aftermath of all of this, and in the aftermath of whatever other pain, difficulty, sorrow, suffering, illness, or death you're having to deal with and face, you're going to have some kind of trust, confidence, and hope in your Heavenly Father. I hope that what C.S. Lewis wrote is true of you. I hope you will not walk away. I hope you will walk towards Him. I hope that the pain that you are experiencing becomes a megaphone to awaken you, to return, to deepen your trust in your Heavenly Father because He cares for you. He's here, and he's offering you a grace and a strength and a power every moment of every day because he really is for you. The question is, will we listen, and how will we respond? Never lose faith in the end of the story. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. This, quite honestly, would be really hard to believe Jesus, if you hadn't shown up and shown us exactly what it looks like, 
If you hadn't shown up and communicated and demonstrated to us that you, God, really do love us and you're for us and you care. It'd be hard to believe if it wasn't for the cross. It'd be impossible to believe if it wasn't for an empty tomb. And because of that, we can confront the brutal facts and we can keep believing in this future hope and this present help that comes from you. Now, as we continue to pray, I want to take just a minute and talk to those of you, you have never made a decision to put your trust and confidence in Jesus. And you've had some good reasons why. But maybe what you're discovering, what you're realizing is that you have a father in heaven who loves you way more than you thought. That you've never thought about the fact that we brought all of this brokenness into the world and he still stepped in to meet us where we are. He still stepped in, died and rose again to offer you forgiveness and a place in God's family. So I want to invite you to make a simple choice. There's nothing mystical or spiritual about it. It is a simple choice to put your trust in him and accept the forgiveness he offers. Would you tell God right now, wherever you are, God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for sending Jesus to die and rise again for my sins. I choose to trust you and I accept your forgiveness. Now, if you're making that choice today, here's what I would love for you to do. Right here on the screen, you can text follow Jesus, all one word, to 555-888. I'd love for you to do that because that's going to come to me, and I'm going to pray for you. I'm also going to be able to send you some next steps that you can take to continue to explore and follow Jesus, but we would love to celebrate with you. God, thank you for the people who've made that choice today. It is remarkable. This is, this is what grace looks like. It's unearned. It's undeserved. We, we don't have to do anything for it except humble ourselves enough to reach out and take it. So we celebrate with all those who made that choice today. And together, we celebrate the fact that we have a future hope and we are confident we have a present help with you. So we will never lose faith in the end of the story because you really do have the whole world, including the end of the story, in your hands. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you'd take a moment to rate and review this podcast, it would really be helpful. And if you live near our church, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our phenomenal children and student environments, just visit us at journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Look forward to seeing you soon.